You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at L O Thunderpod. Email the show, LOTHunderpod at gmail.com or call into the show, 405-362-7128. Your number to call, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to dive into the breaking news that happened on Friday afternoon with the NBA possibly starting the season earlier, uh, starting the season around Christmas time, what that means for the NBA as a league, what that means for the Thunder, and we'll also discuss the ongoing Thunder coaching search. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code VOCTON, get 20% off your next order. So, on Friday afternoon, we got a huge news dump from Woj and Shams of, of course, ESPN and the Athletic, respectively. And... This is something I have talked about for a long time. Ever since May, I've said I would expect the next season to start come Christmas because that is the the one day in the calendar year in which basketball owns the television ratings. They own everything. Football has that every single Sunday. They have it some Thursdays. They have it some Mondays. And in December, they have it some Saturdays. Basketball has Christmas. That is the one time that no matter who you are, if you even remotely like sports, you're watching basketball. And to lose that day would hurt the league. You can also talk about other factors in that, but Christmas is a very important day. It's a very important day for television. It's a very important day for being moneymakers for the league. So I always thought Christmas would be the start date back in May. Now, as we got into the bubble period, it sounded as though Christmas was further and further away uh, from, from the two sides meeting there on the given start date. Because... It was a tough sell for the four teams that would last until the conference finals. This is a tough sell for the for the Nuggets. This is a tough sell for the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics. This is a tough sell. But there's also teams who have not played since March. Also teams who got bounced in the bubble in August. So it's a, it's a tough sell for sure. But we're going to dive into today why this is a good thing and why this could be viewed as a bad thing. So the NBA is targeting a date that is going to start on around Christmas. And Woj was the first one with all these details. So I'm going to credit Woj with all of this. Uh, it is said right now that the NBA would not want to give up the day of the calendar that they truly own on Christmas. Uh, will the players accept this is the next question that you have to ask yourself, and we'll talk about that later on. This right here would be a Christmas Day start, 70 to 72 games. Now remember, whenever they started on Christmas during the lockout, they only played 66 games. So that, I thought, was the precedent. I thought that they would start on Christmas and play the 66 games, just like they did in the lockout season, and act like this was a lockout season, although this, uh, this season was, of course, forced due to the pandemic. However, the NBA wants to play 70 to 72 games. There would be possibly no All-Star game. That might be lost in all of this, because you, you want to limit travel, which is another thing about regionalized scheduling, and maybe... When the Thunder go to New York, they play all those Eastern Conference teams on the road right there, knock them all out before they come home to limit the amount of times you're traveling and moving on airplanes and, and things like that that we've found out are you know, more COVID-inducing things like traveling around around the world. So they want to play 70-72 games, maybe no All-Star game, 
the plan tournament would be coming back possibly. It looks like the plan tournament is going to be back, which we talked to Keith Smith a little bit about, and we thought maybe that wasn't going to be coming back, the plan tournament. But that is still on the table. Um, the parameters of it are not yet known. I will say in a shortened season, it does seem fair to add the play-in tournament. It also gets excitement and, again, helps your TV contracts and helps you build in more playoff games, which every executive wants that to happen. The NBA has backed off wanting to wait until fans can return to the to the stadium due to the projections of the coronavirus and how realistic is it that fans will even get to come back to the stadium. Again, fans are at baseball you know, baseball stadiums right now for the World Series. Fans are in football stadiums right now for the NFL and college football. It's a different sell to your audience, right? It's a different sell publicly from a PR standpoint to have reduced fans in an outdoor stadium, uh, in, in an open-air stadium, versus a basketball arena. And even the domed football stadiums, like Dallas and, and New Orleans, even the domed football stadiums are bigger than a basketball arena. And so how many states would allow fans in and how many fans could you reasonably get into the stadium? Because you're probably not going to want them sitting courtside, although that's still on the table right now. You're probably not going to want them sitting courtside. You want them sitting up and that again reduces and reduces the amount of seats you have to still socially distance. And again, being in an, in an indoor environment is going to be a tougher sell than being outside. So the fan thing does seem a bit far-fetched, and I'm glad the NBA is realizing that, 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 you know, we can keep delaying this, but the further we delay it, the more uh, clear the picture gets that the fans are not going to be realistic this season. We will not see a sold-out crowd this season at the NBA level. In fact, I would argue hockey and basketball are going to be the last two sports that get a sold-out crowd. You will see a sold-out football stadium before you see a sold-out basketball arena because of the fact that they are outdoors versus indoors. I just think that that's how this is going to, to roll. And so the NBA has backed off of that. And the difference between starting on Christmas and starting later than Christmas is $500 million. And as Keith Smith told us Friday morning before this Woj news dropped, you can expect an announcement by October 30th. Keith Smith thought it could happen Monday or Tuesday even, so today or tomorrow. But at least by October 30th, that seems to be the drop-dead deadline for these two sides to talk about next season and to agree on something. That way the ball can continue to roll. The NBA desperately wants to get back on track for the October to June uh, calendar, and we will talk about what that means, right? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Those are just the facts of what's happening right now. We'll talk about it from the perspective of the TV executives. We'll talk about it from the perspective of players, from the perspective of fans, from the perspective of the league as a whole, and we'll dive fully into what all this means. But the bottom line is the NBA wants to restart on Christmas Day or December 22nd, somewhere in that window. Uh, that way they can have the Christmas Day slate uh, that still draws all the eyeballs because you've seen the NFL slowly creeping into this picture. Now, the NFL can only do this a couple Christmases uh, per you know 10, 10 years or whatever because they can only play on, on maybe Friday, which they will do this year, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. So they've only got five Christmas Christmas dates they could play on. So you know, a couple of years, they just won't have a chance to play on a, on a Christmas Day uh, day, and NBA would still own it. But you're seeing the, the NFL slowly creep into also playing on Christmas. The Christmas uh, Day slate has been only NBA for so long, and you know, the NBA has kind of backed off for Thanksgiving to give the NBA, uh, give the NFL Thanksgiving. The NFL is encroaching on Christmas now, and you know, if you kind of concede this year, I can see where, uh, you know, it's not really favorable around the league because on Friday night, Christmas night, uh, you're going to get Viking Saints. 
we'll see how that all goes. And again, we'll dive into this from all aspects of it coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now, use promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off that next order. They have six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cooks and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are soft and easy to chew, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. I love Built Bars pre-workout, post-workout, or even as a meal replacement. They are just that feeling to me. They can also be used as just a, a, a nice snack to have. Again, that 100% chocolate on the outside is really, really good. They're great for the health-conscious person losing and retaining weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. So get your hands on some Built Bars today by going to BuiltBar.com and using promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off your next order. My favorite has to be the banana nut bread option. It's so tasty that the Built Bars are. So go there right now. Get yourself a box of Built Bars. And while supplies last, you're even going to get a free cooler with every purchase. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. And we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And so I want to continue talking about this possible restart and restarting the league early. From a fan's perspective, this is awesome. And this is what I talked about in May. We would have a boom, boom, boom off season. And is that good or bad for the Thunder? We'll talk about later on. Uh, but a shrunkated off season where you're always in the news cycle and then you start games on, on Christmas Day would be awesome for the league, I think. And why would television executives want this? Why would why would the, the TV contracts be changed or affected by this? And the short answer is you'll get the TV money no matter when you play the games. And I don't think that this will affect long-term negotiations. Um, I think that in general, we will see uh, TV executives continue to pay for sports because it's the only thing that rates. I mean, if, and if you want to stay um, as a TV executive and in business as a TV provider and a TV you know, station, you need ratings. And, and, and sports are the only thing that get ratings. That's why the top 10 um, television shows right now are football because it's the only thing we watch live. So if I still think that no matter what happens this season, the television contracts continue to rise... What I'm saying here is, and the changes here by starting on Christmas Day, is look at all the major TV providers. You got YouTube TV, you got Hulu Live, you've got Dish Network, right? And those three are pretty big. And I would reckon most of you consume your television that way, listening to this podcast right now. None of those three have regional sport contracts right now. None of those three have regional sport networks. And the reason for that being is Hulu can still market themselves right now as the place for live sports. And we've all seen the cheesy commercials. If you like live sports, you got to have Hulu TV. They can market that right now without lying to you. Because all sports right now are on ABC, ESPN, NBC, CBS, Fox. That's where all the sports are. There's no sports right now in Fox Sports Oklahoma. So they can truly sell you on that. Come Christmas, though, they can't play hardball anymore. Come Christmas, if this league starts earlier, they have to pay the piper to sling chair 
um, Slingshare Media, whatever it's called now, that owns all the RSNs, they have to pay the piper if they want to continue to brand themselves as the best place to watch live sports. And the quicker that that date moves up, the quicker the television executives get paid for the RSNs. So TV executives want this to happen because they just want to get paid faster, right? They want to cash in right now because otherwise they have to wait until, you know, MLK Day or wait until, God forbid, spring training starts if, if, if basketball delays it into March like some people thought. So again, long term, this does not really matter. Um, but short term, TV executives and the ones who cash the check for the league, the ones who really keep this league afloat, Listen, the only reason why the NBA had that bubble period with 22 teams to create more games was to create more television products, was to create more products to put on television to keep their their partners happy. And what keeps their partners happy is getting their platform, their station onto cable boxes and onto streaming services. I'll give you a little inside info right here. And David Sampson, who used to be the GM for the Marlins and the president of operations for the Marlins, he he's said this publicly. It's not based on how many people watch the Thunder specifically that, that you get paid on and, and that you get your TV deals done with. It's based on how many people have the option to watch the Thunder. How many people have Fox Sports Oklahoma on their, on their um, package, right, on their package they pay for. How many of them have the Thunder or some of them don't? And right now, on, on Dish, on Hulu... On YouTube TV, no one has Fox Sports Oklahoma. That number is zero. So that, that cuts down dramatically um, how many, of course, how many people can watch your product. And so that number expands once you get back in the game because Hulu can no longer say it's the place for live sports if they don't have Fox Sports Oklahoma and you can't watch the Thunder. They don't have Fox Sports Southwest. You can't watch the Mavericks. They don't have Fox Sports Orlando. And you can't watch the or Sun and you can't watch the Magic. They don't have any of those things. They can't claim that they have live sports. And they would have wasted all that money on Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley and Joel Embiid and Damian Lillard. So they're going to pay the piper. So TV executives want this very badly to happen as early as possible. The league can see this as a huge positive. Again, basketball has turned into a year-round sport. For diehard basketball fans, they follow it start to finish. Baseball fans can't say the same. I mean, you check in at spring training. What's the team looking like? Okay, let's roll in and see what happens. And then you check out by like August until uh, the, the, the playoffs start. So basketball has this hold on their fans already. And now you turn what is the most fun offseason, in my opinion, is the basketball offseason. Because you see player trades. You see players demanding trades. You see all, all of these things. They have the most fun offseason, and now it's going to be done in like three weeks. So Mix that with the attention span of young people right now, which are the audience you still need to capture as young people. And, and basketball's done the best job of it. You're going to condense all these player moves into three weeks, and then immediately they're going to go into training camp and immediately they're going to start playing games before you can even forget about them. How many times have you watched a preseason game or you know, one of the team's first few games and said, oh yeah, he did move teams, he did go to this team, or this guy is over here now? You won't have time to forget about it anymore. You just won't. It, they'll start playing immediately. And in fact, you could see free agents signing in training camp because of how condensed this would be if you do start on December 22nd. So that helps you win the news cycle. That helps you stay popular. That helps you gain back momentum. Because I don't think that baseball lost momentum. I think that, number one, sport ratings go down all, all the time in election years. They're always down in election years. Number two, 
you have never had the options that you have had before. Uh, you know, come the bubble period, how you have so many options to watch uh, sports. You had baseball, you had uh, football, you had hockey. You had again the election stuff. You had everything you could have ever wanted. You had tennis. You had you had everything. So you're not going to grab the same casual fans you'll grab in June when you only have hockey, baseball, and then your finals. Of course, the ratings went down. So I didn't think they really lost momentum, but this is a way to, again, steamroll back up and and storm back up by condensing this offseason. And then you factor in they still want to play 70 to 72 games. The the further we get away from December 22nd, the more that number shrinks. And again, I thought that, you know, the 66 games was pushing it, starting it in December the the way we did in the lockout year. But the further we get away from the 22nd, the more and more games you lose. And they don't want to lose that many more games. So the league isn't going to be on board with this. The only obstacle left now is the players, because you have TV, you have the league, you have the fans. There shouldn't be a single fan complaining about this. I mean, the only reason fans have to complain is the possibility of big injuries. And I'm no doctor, and I I don't know if there will be a heightened injury risk or not whenever you revamp your body again. I, I would say that, you know, you can argue that the teams with the most risk of injury are not the Lakers, are not the Heat, are not the Nuggets. It's it's the teams that have been off since March and haven't ramped up their bodies to play NBA basketball since March. I mean, you give LeBron, you know, late October off, November, and then early December off, that's pretty much what these guys do anyway. I mean, of course it's more jam-packed, but these guys are playing Drew League and they're playing you know, summer scrimmages and stuff at the gym. I mean, Hoodie Mello and everything else Mello does at the gym is always captured on on film. These guys are playing basketball still. Of course, it's different at the NBA level, but it's not like these guys just sit around on the couch all summer and all offseason and just wait for the next, wait and get in shape next training camp. They don't use it that way anymore. So I don't know, and I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you how the injury aspect of this will go. So as a fan's perspective, I love it. As a media perspective, I love it because that means once the the games tip off, a whole new wave of people start listening to this podcast again. A A whole new wave of people start caring about the Thunder again once they're actually playing games. Those of you listening still today, I appreciate you a ton, but you are a special breed of fan. You care about this team nonstop. And this job couldn't be possible without you, so I really do appreciate you. But there's a whole nother demographic of people who only care about the Thunder, who only care about the NBA, if the games are actually happening and when it's in season. So as a fan, as a media member, I love that the the NBA is pushing up the start. So they've got the fans, the media, they've gotten the uh, TV executives, and they've gotten the league. They only need now to convince the players. And again, would this suck for LeBron? And would this suck for, for those four teams? Absolutely, I could see where it would suck. But this comes down to the four versus the 26. And which one wins out? And I would understand while some, why some of you are betting with LeBron and betting with he's gonna, his side's going to win out if he's on the side of not restarting. I would also say the Clippers and the Lakers are the two teams who wanted to end the bubble. After the boycotts in the first round, they wanted the bubble to go away, they wanted to go home, and they wanted to fight for change, and of course, the bubble didn't stop, and we continued on with the bubble experience, and then we went on to crown a champion, and the rest is history. So, I understand why there's the notion there to automatically assume LeBron is going to get his way. He obviously did not get his way in the bubble, so we'll see 
what happens with the four versus the 26 and what happens with really the four teams against not only the 26 other organizations, but the TV executives and the league. We'll see how this all unfolds coming up. I'm going to tell you what this offseason could look like, what it means for this show and what it means for the Oklahoma city thunder. So we're back on the locked on thunder podcast on the locked on podcast network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. I give those two right now because I know not everyone has Twitter. And so I want you to email or, or tweet me or DM me on Twitter all of your questions about the restart because I know that not everyone can sit there and, and look at Twitter and, and read the articles and, and figure this all out. It's not your job, it's my job. So if there's any questions that you have that I did not cover so far, let me know on Twitter and I'll get to them next show and we'll be able to keep kind of figuring this all out together. But I do know that there's a ton of questions about this restart and it still doesn't make a ton of sense to, to a lot of you who just literally just cannot keep up with all of the rumors. I get that. So let me know and we will try to figure this all out. I want to talk about what this offseason could look like. Number one, the NBA draft date is the only thing that's set right now. There are projections for when free agency starts or when anything else starts, but the draft is the only thing that is concrete right now. The draft is on November 18th. ESPN has already carved out their lineup of, of programming leading up to the draft. They've already carved out their virtual studio. They've already carved everything out. It's going to be on November 18th. It'll be totally virtual. And so with the draft, here's what these rookies are facing. In a rookie class in which nobody is sold on anyone, in which we can't figure out who the top guy is or who the top pick will be, there's no surefire number one, much less surefire number 25. In a draft like that, and typically in those kind of draft classes, you feel more comfortable moving on from that prospect because you don't feel like you invested so much in them. You don't feel like you really took a shot on them. So if they do struggle at the gates, they typically get left behind in draft classes like this with this narrative around them. So here's what these rookies face now. Number one, no summer league. And summer league to the casual fan is rightfully viewed as just a, a glorified scrimmage or just some sloppy basketball for money. I would say that that although it seems that way on the outside looking in, of course, it's a watered-down product. For these rookies, it is a good taste of NBA style. And I don't just mean the play style. I mean the coaching styles and everything like that. You're running through kind of the NBA life of, okay, I'm a professional now. There's nobody, you know, there's nobody really checking in my dorm room or seeing if I'm going to math class. I'm a professional athlete. I've got to do everything the right way, blah, blah, blah. Summer league is very valuable to actual players. No summer league. You have a shortened training camp to get used to playing with, oh, by the way, you're 19 years old. You've been watching Russell Westbrook your entire life. Now you're going to play with him in two weeks. Get ready. Now the Thunder probably won't have that starstruck, you know, player. They won't have the Russell Westbrook anymore. They probably won't have Chris Paul come December 22nd or whenever, you know, December 1st, whenever training camp starts. So that aspect of it, won't be any different, but still, you're adjusting to NBA life with a shortened training camp and no summer league. They're going to have a month to move into their new market. It's going to be very rare that you draft somebody who's already from your city. So from a from a prospect standpoint, off the off the court, you've got to leave your family, you got to leave where you're from, you've got to leave whatever city you're living in right now, pack everything up, move and get adjusted to not only the city life that you're in and the new lifestyle you're living in the NBA but also get adjusted on the court. And so that's a lot going against a draft class in which people already think little of, in which people are already ready to write off. 
And again, if, if everyone's ready to write him off right now, if they struggle out of the gate, they'll be ready to write him off in two or three years. And then you have NBA free agency quickly after the draft. And if we are going to start training camp on December 1st, I think that the free agency period starts like the Saturday after the draft, like November 20th or something. I think that instead of seeing the big signings on, on the 4th of July, you'll see the big signings on Thanksgiving. That'll be the big signing day. You'll be sitting around watching Cowboys football team and, and you'll be checking Twitter and Woj is going to drop some absolute heat saying that, that so-and-so got traded or so-and-so is signing, Frederick Leet signing with the Knicks or something. It'll be crazy. And then you'll have, of course, the trade market open up once we establish the salary. I would assume most trades get done on the NBA draft date, so the trades kind of pair in with November 18th, I would imagine. I would think that we see a ton of trades then, that we use that draft day as a trade day, in my opinion. So you have all those trades, and again, all those moving parts of getting adjusted to your new market and things like that off the floor. You have virtual media day, you have training camp, you have maybe a preseason, or maybe you just hop right in to the actual games that matter, and then you tip off, I think, on Christmas. I think that the only reason the 22nd is thrown out there right now is so that way they can use it as a negotiation tactic. That way, and it sounds silly, but that way you get into the room with the, with the NBA PA, and you say, listen, guys, we are going to start on or before Christmas, and we want to start the 22nd. And you hardball them into saying, okay, you know what? For you, Chris Paul, for you, Player Association, we will back the date up all the way back to December 25th. <laughs> so it sounds crazy, but I think that the, that the 22nd date is only so they can act like they've backed it up a few days or backed it up in a favor for the NBA Players Association. And maybe the players will actually combat that with, no, we want to start earlier. That way we can have our best foot forward come the Christmas Day slate. And that way we can have the fine tuning done whenever before everyone starts watching us on, on Christmas Day. And we have, hopefully, a great slate of games and a good showcase for the league. And again, with this offseason so shrunkated, we're talking November 18th until Christmas, there will be excitement about the league. Think about the excitement you had when, and I'm just talking as a general basketball fan, not, not for the Thunder, just generally for basketball, think about the excitement you had when AD went to the Lakers and when Kawhi went to the Clippers and when Paul George went to the Clippers and you had all these duos popping up and you had Kyrie and KD and you had all these videos popping up and you just couldn't wait to watch them. But then you had to wait from July until all the way into late October, mid October that not happening will create such momentum that I think that it has a chance to just steamroll that lousy NFL game between Kirk cousins and a washed up Drew Brees. This would be great for the league. The condensed off season would be great for the league. Again, the NBA off season is the best off season. Don't talk to me about football. The, the biggest thing that happens in football is some over-the-hill guy gets cut that you weren't expecting, like a Josh Norman, and then Washington pays him $50 million too much, and, and he signs with Washington, and that's the end of his career. That's the only thing that happens on the, on the NFL offseason standpoint. The NFL offseason, the draft of the NFL is, of course, more popular than the, than the NBA draft because college football is more popular than college basketball. But other than the draft, pound for pound, the trades, the free agency signings, Everything that goes into it is more exciting and more crazy than the NFL. The NFL doesn't have DeAndre Jordan getting locked in his house and Mark Cuban circling the neighborhood trying to figure out which one is DeAndre Jordan's house. The NFL doesn't have that. And so for the NBA to have that exciting offseason, coming off of LeBron winning a championship, going for a two-peat in LA, to have that all culminate in 
a two-month offseason would be awesome for the league. What does it mean for the Thunder, though? So the early tip here, to me, in terms of on the court, means nothing. The roster's full of young players. They haven't played in a long time. There, there's no hopes of winning. So if you start slow due to, due to you know the random offseason, no harm, no foul. You want to start slow. You want to lose. It wouldn't. I don't think it'll stunt the development of any player, um, unless of course there's some catastrophic injury. But that can happen any year. It might slow down the new head coach's ability to implement their system. But again, if you lose a couple games while you're still trying to learn the new system, who cares? You're trying to lose. So on the court, it should mean nothing for the early tip time. Off the court, the early tip time starting in December, it it rushes roster moves and and. I trust Sam Presti. I think that he can take advantage of some of these GMs who feel kind of frantic, who are kind of scatterbrained about, about this whole, we're starting December 22nd. I got to build a contender. I've got to challenge LeBron. I've got to try to win a championship. I've got to try to, to push for the postseason. He can take advantage of those, of those GMs who are just so over their skis that they're going to be willing to do anything. And he can trade Chris Paul and, and sign and trade Gallinari or trade Dennis or Adams. I just wonder if there's going to be enough time to pull this off, Right. Because this is something that we thought about when we thought that the season would start in MLK Day. Is there going to be enough time for free agency to settle down, for the teams to kind of get set in stone, and then give it a week and you'll be ready to make that big move once teams figure out what they have lost from free agency or what they didn't get in free agency that they thought they were going to get. If you still need a point guard after free agency, Chris Paul's a great option for you. I think that there's so much smoke around Chris Paul right now and there's so much momentum around Chris Paul, and, and teams feel the pressure to go get Chris Paul. This isn't just the Knicks only involved, where the Knicks can slow play it a little bit, and they can wait on it. It feels like there's a ton of teams that want Chris Paul to where I do think he's moved by, by the start of the season. No matter if that's on Christmas Day or if that's on MLK Day, he is moved. I think that where you could see guys not getting traded before the tip-off of the season is Dennis and Adams. Adams, I don't think, will get traded. I think that Steven Adams becomes this generation's Nick Collison. I think that Steven Adams is a career-long Oklahoma City Thunder. He never changes teams, and uh, he slowly starts to fade into a bench player. He slowly starts to fade into a non-player and just a locker room guy, just as Nick Collison did. Nick Collison meant so much to most Thunder fans, but to the younger generation, they just remembered Nick Collison being on the bench all the time. They don't remember Nick Collison, the starter. They don't remember Nick Collison, the, the, the gutty role player. They don't remember Nick Collison with the bloody face. They, they don't remember it. And so slowly, that's what Stephen Adams become right before our eyes. Time keeps turning. Now, Dennis, though, I think absolutely has to get moved this season, whether that is in the offseason or at the deadline. I think the shortened offseason will push that to the deadline. And I know people love Dennis Schroeder, but the bottom line is he's on an expiring contract and then there's no really long-term fit for him in Oklahoma City, so you might as well trade him. The expiring contract in itself gives you value, but also his play on the floor gives you value. So you've got to trade Dennis. And I think that that happens now closer to the deadline instead of in the offseason. Because I think that teams will be comfortable with who they have after free agency, but then once, once the death settles on the season and you start figuring out the standings a little bit and someone has a slow start, God forbid someone has an injury, then he becomes more and more valuable. So off the court, you know, in terms of roster moves, could matter for Dennis. I don't think it matters for anyone else because Gallinari is not coming back. So if you want to pull off a sign-in trade, that'll happen anyway. That'll happen before next season. Chris Paul has so much momentum around him. I think he still gets moved before the season. Adams, I don't think it's moved. I, he's an expiring deal and 
that gives you some value, especially for a team like Oklahoma City, who is comfortable taking on long-term money and is not trying to get into the game of the, of the 2021 free agency class. They're comfortable losing their flexibility in the market, so they'd be willing to eat long-term money and give you back an expiring Adams while receiving a ton of assets for him. I just don't think that people want to do that. I don't think that teams around the league will want to do that. Oklahoma City would, but you've got to find the partner, and I don't know if there's a partner out there for Steven Adams, as we've talked about at nauseum on this podcast. The regional schedule, it makes sense, um, and especially if you limit the number of times you go out east. If we're upping the number of games played in the west, that is amazing for the Thunder. If the Thunder somehow walk away with this thing, and again, negotiations will continue to happen, because for the NBA and the TV executives and the fans and the media to get what they want and to get the start of Christmas, which is what they desperately want, they got to give. It's a give and take thing in these negotiations. So the players can come back with, okay, conference only schedule. We don't want to travel as much conference only. If they did that, that would be great for the, for the Thunder because no team out West as of right now, again, this is barring injury and this is barring a slow start, but going into the season, they're the only team out West who wants to lose basketball games, who wants to tank. So if you go from playing a couple games against the Hornets, the Hawks, teams like that, to only playing out West, that's a, that's a big benefit to you. I don't know if the players would do that. I don't know why the players would do that, but that's a possibility right now with this regional schedule. If you play more West games or only West games, that ups the amount of losses you take, which is incredibly good. No All-Star game. <laughs> it's kind of sad because Shea has to wait to play in the All-Star game, but he'll probably still get on the roster. I do think that they'll, no matter what, announce rosters of who would have made the All-Star game, uh, but just won't play the game. I do think that the game is out. I think that the players actually would want to do it because it's, it is fun to be around just the NBA players that are there to do the slam dunk contest, three-point contest, etc. cetera. Uh, but at what cost, right? If it's an empty arena and it's not generating anything else for the league, why kind of interrupt the season and why not just get as many games possible in? And then we talk about the shortened season. The shortened season would be amazing for the Thunder, right? This fan base in Oklahoma City has never experienced a team that is purposely trying to lose. And tanking in sports is a very tough sell. For most casual fans, it's a very tough sell. Now, most people who listen to you know a basketball podcast year-round will understand the process and what it takes to get good again in a small market. But you take, for example, Jimmy down the road, who only watches Thunder games when they're on TV, doesn't really care about the offseason moves, and just kind of figures out who's on the team once the games start. It's a tough sell to him to go from a perennial winner to, okay, we're purposely trying to lose. And so this rebuild should only take one to two years. We've talked about that with Keith Smith. I've said it before. This rebuild should take one or two years of purposely losing. So in one of those two years, you only need to play 70 games. You only need to play 72 games. Sign me up. That's less losing. And that's less time spent, uh, quote unquote, wasted in the eyes of fans, of course, wasted on losing. Sign me up for the shortened season. That's great for this fan base who has never had to go through this. The tanking was done in Seattle. Sure, they lost their first game, you know, their first year in Oklahoma City. They lost and they got James Harden. Sure. But again, it's your first year as a professional city. No one cared about the wins and losses their first year in Oklahoma City. If you were around this state and this city, no one cared about the wins and losses. They cared about the fact that we made it. We're a big league city now. How about that? So for the first time, the city goes into a season expecting to lose and, and wanting to lose, really. 
If you care about this team getting back to a championship, you want the the, the, the thing to fail. You, you want the team to fail and to lose games. So the shortened season is amazing because it just cuts down the time you have to watch them lose. And then the biggest reason to do this, in my opinion, for the players, and why the league wants to do this as well, but it's mainly for the players, is to play in the Olympics. This sport is a, is a global sport now. The NBA is popular around the world. People are playing it around the world. And honestly, most of your top stars are overseas guys. Luka, Jokic, Giannis. Your top guys are from all over the place. They care about representing their country. In fact, I would argue that, that you could you can make the case that some of these overseas guys care more about winning a gold medal in the Olympics than they do about winning a Larry O'Brien. Than they do about winning the NBA Finals. You cannot take that away from them. I just don't think you can take that away from them. If this was the, if this was the FIBA World Cup, sure. If this was FIBA basketball, absolutely, you can take it away from them. And, and you do what's best for, the, for their players' bodies. You do what's best for the league. But for the Olympics, for the true Olympics, you only get so many chances at that. You really do. Whether it's due to age, injury, whatever. You only get so many cracks at it. These players care about that. And so the only way to reach that plateau without leaving your team and leaving the, you know, leaving the league for a week or, or, or a month, actually, or two months, actually, is to start this season early. And so if you want to get there, if you want to play in the Olympics, you got to start early. And that's a big deal in this. The league wants them to play because it's great marketing for the league. They want to play because they can represent their country. And as a fan, I want to see them play. I want to see the Olympics in basketball because it no longer feels like a guaranteed win for the USA. Now, if everyone for the USA plays, of course they should win. They absolutely should. But it feels like the gap is getting shorter and getting smaller. So the Olympics are going to be much more fun as we continue to progress here as a sport and get more global and national. So the Olympics are also a big deal in all of this. This podcast is was really long. I'm really excited about what this means. And for the future of the show, look, if the season starts December 22nd, I can promise you it is a daily podcast from last May until next offseason after the draft. That's going to be a long long time of me podcasting every single day about the Oklahoma City Thunder, but I love to do it. I love everyone who's listened. Uh, the support's been phenomenal. Uh, it's been crazy how many people listen to the show every single day and just the benefits that have come from it. So thank you all for listening. Subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast from. Lockdown Thunder is the only podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder every single day. I'm Rylan Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another.